0: Amen. Good evening. evening. Acts chapter 10 tonight as we continue our series in the book of Acts. We said last week when we looked at the conversion of Saul in Acts chapter 9 that it was such a significant event that it is recorded three more times in the New Testament and two more times by Luke in the book of Acts. But tonight, this interaction between Peter and a man by the name of Cornelius is equally significant in God's eyes because Luke will mention this story four times in the book of Acts. That's how significant what happens here tonight is in God's eyes that he repeats it over and over and over again. What God wants to do tonight with all of us is what he wanted to do with these two men we're going to encounter tonight. The two main characters of this chapter, Peter and Cornelius. He wants to increase our faith. He wants to expand our minds He wants to enlarge our hearts, and he wants to break down barriers that keep us from being used by him in greater ways. And I want us all to be encouraged tonight before we approach this chapter with these words, the significance of one person. I mean, what happens here in this chapter happens because one person is willing to open themselves up to the Lord. And then that one person meets one other person that's willing to open themselves up to the Lord. And then God brings those two people together and the world is forever changed after that. Don't think that God can't do something extraordinary and significant through you. The only limitation is, are you willing? Are you open to it? Are you making yourself available to God like these two men? One other thing, I think that these men obviously are strategic, if you will. You have a Roman centurion who carries a lot of influence in the empire and with other Gentiles. So when he becomes a Christian, that's going to have great ripple effects. And then you've got Peter, who at this point in the early church, would be considered the leader of the early church because Paul's just gotten saved. So if Peter's on board with something, if if Peter is seeing something happening and he's following after the Lord in that direction, you can understand the impact and influence that Peter is going to have on the other disciples, other Jews, and other followers of Christ at this time. But it's only one. It's only one. So let's start with God working on one side of the equation with the man named Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. And what this first part of this chapter tells us is this. The one who seeks the Lord will be found by the Lord. I get that question throughout my ministry a lot. Well, Pastor Jeff, what if there would be somebody somewhere in the world who wants to have a relationship with God? What about that? What if there's nobody around to tell them about Jesus? Then based upon this chapter and other places in the Bible, God will make sure that person gets to hear about Jesus. That's the answer. The person who seeks God will be found by God. So there was one man. You get that? God of the universe is zeroed in on one man, and he's not even a believer yet. No, he's a centurion soldier in the Roman Empire, yet God sees what's going on in this man's life. God is paying attention to this unbeliever because there's some things about this man that has caught the eye of God. What is it? It's not that he's a centurion and in charge of a military guard. It's that he's devout. He seeks to honor God. He's a God-fearing man, as was his whole household. He he influenced his household to have respect for God even before he had a relationship with this God it says he did many acts of charity so he did many good works and he prayed to God regularly but let's make no mistake about it and I realize I'm getting ahead of myself here but you understand what's happening here I think this did not make this man a Christian Just because he prayed, just because he did good works, just because he had reverence and respect for God and was a God-fearing man. God-fearing doesn't mean he's saved and has a personal relationship with God yet. It's like people today. They can be very religious. They can be very respectful of God. It doesn't mean they've opened up their heart necessarily and invited Jesus Christ to be their saviour. But if God sees that they're seeking him genuinely and sincerely, they will be found by him just like Cornelius was. Because God will never turn anyone away who truly wants a relationship with him. So God is going to make sure that he gets And notice here again. God doesn't have to use any of us, just as he did not have to use Peter or anybody else. He could have just come in and done it himself. But he uses us because he wants us to have the blessing of being his servant and of advancing his kingdom. So about 3 o'clock, verse 3, God gave Cornelius a vision, literally light from God, I thought of that when we were singing Running to the Light. Cornelius had a little light, but he wanted more light. And God knew he would accept and embrace more light. So God was going to give him more light as Cornelius ran to the light. And God gave him a vision. And in this vision was an angel. And the angel says to Cornelius, look, your prayers and your acts of charity have gone up as a memorial before God. What's that mean? It simply means God's taken notice of all that Cornelius has done, even though he's not a believer yet. But God sees he's a seeker, a genuine seeker, who has reverence and respect for him, who, who has who has opened himself up to the light that God has given him in general revelation and maybe some other ways. And and the Holy Spirit's already been working on Cornelius. And so because God sees that, God's going to grant him more light. Be encouraged by that. You see, God not only sees what unbelievers do, that means God also sees everything we do too and keeps a record of it. A record of it. And so the angel says in the vision, here's what I want you to do, Cornelius. Send some men to Joppa because there's someone who's staying with a man named Simon there. His name is Peter. You ask for this man, Peter, and he's going to hook you up, right? Now notice, too, about this. God knows every detail about what's going on here. God knows where Peter's staying, who Peter's staying with. He's got all the angles covered. And as we've said before in our study of the word of God, what you see here is, again, God working on both sides of the equation. Because when God is in something, he will be working on both ends at the same time. And we're going to see that in just a minute. So Cornelius is very obedient to this vision from God. Think about it. God even had to know that this man who's not even yet having a relationship with him would be open to something like this. I I think about even us as believers, and I I was going to save this till later, but it's like part of the reason many times why God isn't doing more in our lives is because we're not open to it. If we would be more open to it, God would move more. And here's a man who's like, oh, it's a vision from God. Okay, I'll accept Instead of going, what in the world? I, you know, questioning it all. No, he moved as God moved. And he sent three people, two servants and a soldier, to Peter in Joppa. Ah, but now notice verse 9. Now God has to work on the other end with Peter. So the next day, Peter's on the roof. He's praying. He's also hungry. So God just happens to put him in what the Bible here says in verse 10 as a trance. It simply is the Spirit of God is enabling Peter to perceive something beyond the norm. And the heaven is open. And God is giving Peter a vision. And you see what's happening there. All these animals are coming down, reptiles, wild birds, and a voice from heaven, verse 13, says, Peter, get up and eat. Only Peter tells the Lord, no, right? Peter says, no, certainly not, Lord. I've never eaten anything like this before that's ritually unclean. And the voice of God from heaven a second time, and then we even see in verse 16, three times says, no, you got to do it because what I have made clean, verse 15, you must not consider unclean. If God says it, that's the only thing that should matter. And what God is doing is trying to, again, expand Peter's mind, enlarge Peter's heart, break down the barriers between Jew and Gentile because, let's face it, The church now that Jesus Christ is building, there's neither male nor female, uh, nor rich or poor, no Jew or Gentile. Uh, It doesn't matter what our skin color is. It doesn't matter at all. We are all one in Jesus Christ. And yet, all these prejudices and these cultural barriers and whatnot. God needed to begin to break down and get his own followers out of their comfort zone and out of their cultural barriers and and beyond their own prejudices in order to build his church. Because he said, go into all the world, not just to the Jewish nation, and preach the gospel. Starting in Jerusalem but then Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I think that means everybody. But his people weren't going, which is why God had to use even the persecution of Stephen to start spreading his people out and having them being obedient to his original command. Peter puzzling over what he had seen, verse 17. And at the very same time that he's contemplating what he's seeing, God's timing is perfect because he's in the details. And all of a sudden, these three men that Cornelius has sent to Peter have arrived at the house that Peter is staying at. And they call out, verse 18 to see if he is staying there. And while Peter, verse 19, was seriously thinking about these things, the Spirit says to him, look, literally, behold. It's a word of wonder. Look what God is doing, Peter. This very vision that God has given you, now you can apply it right here because these three Gentiles are right at the door Of the house you're staying at you talk about perfect timing and he says the spirit get up verse 20 and go down and accompany them without hesitation I I like that word because you know what that means the spirit is saying don't overthink this Peter That's important because sometimes we don't do what God's asking us to do or doing it in the timing God wants because we overthink things instead of just responding to what we know God is asking us to do. We start leaning on our own human reasoning rather than on the revelation, if you will, the clear revelation that God has given us just as he has to Cornelius and to Peter. Peter's starting to get it now. So he goes down in verse 21 to these men and says, here I am, why have you come? And they recount now what Cornelius has experienced and why they are there. And notice what they say at the end of verse 22. This is huge. We have been directed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear a message from you. That word message is significant because it is the word rhema, R-H-E-M-A. It is a word that is used in the New Testament to speak about a life-giving, life-altering message. Literally, a word that will bring life and will alter your life God wants us to be speaking if you will rhema words and giving rhema messages not just messages that is our opinion and and what we think, but literally we are to give the word of God that is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword that can literally bring life into people and can alter and transform lives when it's heard and received. And they were acknowledging this is why we're here. We're not here just to, if you will, excuse the, to play church. We're not just here to, to take up space, we're here to hear something from you that's going to literally change our lives forever. Boy, wouldn't that be great if we all came and approached the Lord and his word like that all the time? And then don't miss this. We could bypass this real quick. It says in verse 23, Peter invited them in and entertained them as guests that was a no-no. He was a Jew. They were Gentiles. There's never been a Gentile cross that door. That one open door, just like that one man, And that one word from God and that one vision, how it only takes one thing and everything changes. And that's what's happening here. What a door Peter opened. Is there a door God wants you to open in your life that has been shut? Just a question, maybe not. The next day he got up, set out with them to go back to Caesarea from Joppa. The following day he enters there and Cornelius was waiting for him. He had called all of his relatives and close friends together, get over here. The apostle Peter is coming to give us a message from the Lord. Can you imagine the the? expectation and the anticipation and the excitement in Cornelius' house. And remember, this is a rugged guy. This is a Roman centurion who's in charge of hundreds of Roman soldiers. And yet he's probably running around this house going, oh, my goodness, I can't wait. Because his heart is beating for God, and he knows that God is going to be faithful and going to connect him in some way to to God in a way he's never been connected before. Well, when he comes in, Peter, notice Cornelius falls and starts to worship Peter, and Peter's like, oh, no, 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 stand up. I'm just a mortal like you are. And then notice, verse 27, something else significant. Verse 27, he continued talking with him as he went in. What a step Peter just took. Because guess what? Peter, as a Jew, has never set foot in a Gentile's house in his life. That step that Peter took into that man's house was huge. It was just one step, but it was huge. (laughs) All I could think about was Neil Armstrong when he landed on the moon. That one small step, but boy, what a step it was. Well, guess what? This step was a huge step because what it meant when Peter opened that door and invited those Gentiles into that home that he was staying in and then he crossed that threshold and went into a Gentile's house, it showed that God had gotten a hold of Peter's heart, and those barriers and those prejudices and those cultural barriers were starting to come down. In fact, Peter even says in verse 28 to them, he says, you know, it's unlawful for a Jew to associate or visit a Gentile. Now, unlawful, not God's word unlawful. When Peter uses that word, he's speaking about Jewish tradition, There's nothing in the word of God against it. It was Jewish tradition that the Jews had added to the word of God. It was a cultural thing, a cultural barrier. And yet, notice what Peter says. Yet God has shown me I should call no person defiled or ritually unclean. In fact, Peter, down in verse 34, says this. I now truly understand that God does not show favoritism in dealing with people. God is no respecter of persons. What I want us to take away from what Peter is doing and saying here is this Did you notice that Peter is the leader of the disciples? He is the leader of the early church, and yet he is still growing. He's still growing. And that should be an encouragement and an inspiration to us. It doesn't matter who we are, how far we've come with God, how much we know of God, what we've done in our life, all of us, until the day we go to glory, all have the capacity and and should have the desire to keep growing. Because there's always more that God wants to do in and through our lives. He wants to continually increase our faith. He wants to expand our minds. He wants to enlarge our hearts. He wants to break down the walls and barriers and get us out of our comfort zone, and that's exactly what he's doing here, so that he can begin to bring Gentiles into the church and show these Jews who are Christian that we're all going to now be one in Jesus Christ. couple other things. Beginning in verse 35 through verse 43, we learn here that our God is the most inclusive God And at the same time, the most exclusive God. And I'm not contradicting myself. It's not an either or. It's a both and. That's what we need to accept about our God. He is absolutely inclusive and at the same time, absolutely exclusive. Let's see what I mean by that first of all you'll notice in verse 35 Peter says in every nation the person who fears him and does what is right is welcome before him literally when God like he did with Cornelius sees that he is truly and genuinely seeking after him God will move to bring greater light and salvation into their life Okay? But the phrase I want us to concentrate on thinking about God being inclusive is the three words verse 35 in every nation. Or let's talk about John 3:16. God so loves the world. No exceptions. In fact, notice Peter goes on in verse 43 to say, and about him all the prophets testify that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. For what does Paul say? For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, Romans chapter 10. Everyone. So God is an absolutely inclusive God. And the book of Revelation, the final book of the Bible, tells us that there will be, be, there will be people in heaven from every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every culture. All the world will be represented in heaven. So God is an inclusive God. So when you're out there in the world and you hear, you know, people ragging on God, not being inclusive, no, 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 that's not true. He loves everyone. He is no respecter of persons. There will be people in heaven because it doesn't matter where you and I come from and what our background is and all of that. If we truly desire a personal relationship with God, God will make sure, as he's done here with Cornelius, that someone gets to us and can share the message of Jesus Christ with us so that we can have a personal relationship with him through him. Inclusive. How about exclusive at the same time? Yes. Why? Because notice what Peter says at the end of verse 36. You know the message he sent to the people of Israel, proclaiming the good news of peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. The only way one can have peace with God and the peace of God is through Jesus Christ. No other way. There is no other name under heaven. There's only one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. And that's why then Peter goes through and starts talking about Jesus, the exclusive way To have a relationship with God. Verse 38, God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good because God, the Father, was with him. We're witnesses of these things. They killed him, verse 39, but God, the Father, raised him up, verse 40, on the third day and caused him to be seen. And we are witnesses of all that God has already chosen for us to be witnesses of because we ate and drank with him even after he rose from the dead. And then the exclusivity even comes to this point in verse 42. And if one does not accept the only way of salvation, then Jesus Christ will not be your Savior, but one day, a day that God has appointed in history, at some point, he will be your judge. And that's why Peter says, he also commanded us to preach to the people, verse 42, and to warn them. That he, Jesus, is the one appointed by God the Father as judge of the living and the dead. So you see here this beautiful, to me, balance that yes, God is a totally inclusive God. Anyone and everyone who wants to know him and have a relationship with him, God will welcome them with open arms. But exclusive is you got to come God's way, and the only way is Jesus. The only way is Jesus. There is no other way. One final part to this story, because this story keeps rolling on throughout the rest of the book of Acts and on through history, right? I mean, you and I today are part of the church where Jew and Gentile are all one in Christ, where there is no respecter of persons. We are all of equal value and worth to God, and we are all part of the same kingdom that God is building. But we've talked throughout our study of the book of Acts about the difference that the Holy Spirit makes. And you'll note then in verses 44 through 48 that this is all about the fact that God then gives the Holy Spirit to all who respond to the message of salvation. I love this, verse 44. Think about this. Cornelius, his family, all his friends, they're huddled there in that house. They're ready to hear what Peter is, is teaching. And we've already heard part of what Peter wanted to share. But guess what? God had other plans. There was a divine interruption. Why? Because God already saw that people in Cornelius' home were already opening up their hearts. Peter couldn't see it, but God could see that people were starting to open up their hearts and embrace the message of salvation that Peter was giving through Jesus Christ. So notice what begins to happen in verse 44. The Holy Spirit literally fell on them. It means he took up residence. He possessed them because they heard the message. Well, the circumcised believers who had accompanied Peter, they were greatly astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out, even on Gentiles. By the way, I love that phrase, poured out, because that speaks about the abundance that God gives as we remind each other and encourage each other, we didn't get part of the Holy Spirit. We got all the Holy Spirit. The only question is, how much of the Holy Spirit has of us? How much are we willing to yield to the Holy Spirit, which is why I love that song, It's just one of the reasons why I love that song that Nicole has introduced to our church family beginning tonight, Jesus, have it all. I mean, isn't that what it's all about? In fact, as we were singing that song, I was reminded of something that I just came across in my study today again. There's a lot of different words for the word servant in the Bible, servants of the Lord. But there's one particular word that every once in a while is used by the New Testament writers, and it's the Greek word doulos, D-O-U-L-O-S. It was a word used in biblical times to speak of the under rowers of those ships. Think of Ben-Hur. You ever seen the movie? where those guys are literally on those boats just rowing away. And yet, through Jesus Christ, this term is given great dignity to all who are willing to embrace it. Because people like Peter and Paul and others willingly said, I love being a doulos of Jesus Christ. It's an honor to be a loss of Jesus Christ. And what that word means is it speaks about one who does not belong to themselves anymore. They belong to someone else. And isn't that what the New Testament teaches? Isn't that what Paul said to the Corinthians? You are not your own. You have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body because it's his, not yours. And that word doulos also speaks about one who willingly gives up their will to another. And isn't that the words of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane? Not my will, but your will, God. That's what that word means. And I thought of that word when we were singing Jesus have it all. Because to me, that word sort of, captures the essence of what that song is all about. Jesus, I'm yours. Everything I've got, everything I have, it's just I belong to you now. I'm yours. I love the fact that when these Jewish brothers saw the gift of the Holy Spirit poured out on even Gentiles and heard them, verse 46, speaking in tongues and praising God, Peter said, hey, let's get them baptized. Because they've received the Holy Spirit. And that's the single undisputable, indisputable marker of true salvation. Anyone can claim to be saved. Anyone can say they're a Christian, but according to the Word of God, the thing that separates the true believer is the presence of the Holy Spirit. An unbeliever, no matter how they're living or whatever, if they don't have the Holy Spirit, then they are not Christ's. But if they have the Holy Spirit, they are sons and daughters of God. That's why Paul says to the Romans, the Spirit of God bears witness with our human spirit that we are God's children. There's that internal witness inside of us. When I've dealt with people in the past who say doubt their salvation, I simply try to say, do you have an internal witness from God's Spirit who is living inside of you that you are God's children? Because if you've accepted Christ, you should have that internal witness that, yes, I'm a child of God. And I love that besides dying for us and forgiving us of our sins and and giving us a home and glory forever and ever, that God's plan also involved that God himself in the person of the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, would come and dwell in each of us so that now we are the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. Whoa. Amazing. So Peter said, Hey, if they've got the Holy Spirit, then let's baptize them. And so he gave orders, verse 48, to have them baptized into the name of Jesus Christ. And of course, they asked him to stay because you understand that. There was a powerful afterglow after that. It's like nobody wanted to leave. Everybody just sort of wanted to hang there because God was moving and God was working and people's hearts were being given over to the Lord and the Holy Spirit was moving and people were praising him and speaking in tongues and, 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 and God, they, they were seeing Jew and Gentile together in one home. That had never happened before. God was breaking down walls and and breaking down barriers, and and people, again, were having their their minds expanded and their hearts enlarged and their faith increased. And it, it was such a wonderful thing. It's sort of like Peter's response when he was up on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus, like, let's not leave here, Jesus. Let's build something and stay for a while. You know, there's some Wednesdays and Sundays. I get that. I feel like it. Like, I don't want to leave church. I just want to hang here for a while. It's like, Nicole, come on up and let's do worship for another hour until your voice gives out, you know, type of thing. Let's just keep on going. But the Holy Spirit descended and fell upon these believers. But in closing, let's remember how this all started. One person. One person. This great movement of God started with one person. The difference that one person can make in a family, in a church, in a community, anywhere. One person who's open to God and open to whatever God wants to do in and through their life, oh my goodness what God can do with one person. And then there's times where God says, oh, you know what? Let's double that. Let me bring two people together and make them partners. And let me bring them together in this partnership, and and as they're both going after me, and and as they're both connecting with themselves, look at what I can do now with two. Peter and Cornelius. And my friends, let's not miss the significance. The world has never been the same since that day. The church has never been the same since Acts chapter 10. And that's why Luke repeats this story three more times in the book of Acts. It is that significant but it started with one. May all of us never limit what God can do or wants to do or desires to do through each of us. Let's be like Cornelius and Peter. Yeah, it might be a little uncomfortable, God may ask us to take a step that we've never taken in that direction before. God may ask us to open up a door to something or someone that we've never done before. But the world can change with one revelation, one message, one word, one step, one door. Because it's God. And God can do anything. Father, we thank you tonight for this beautiful story, this wonderful story, this all inspiring story of how you worked in Peter and Cornelius and how you worked through Peter and Cornelius. God, the world was never the same because these two men were willing to open themselves up to you, God. May all of us here tonight and those who are viewing from their homes tonight, may all of us, Lord, get to the place in our life where, Lord, we say, you know what? If you can do it through them, then you can do it through me, God. May it be so. I'm open, God. Whatever you want to do in and through me, God, to bring glory to yourself, I'm available. Here I am. And God, would you continue to use our church and draw people here so that, Lord, they can experience you and and engage with you like they desire to, God. Because, Lord, it's just for us. It's just about worshiping you and getting into your word. And may it always, Lord, be that. May we never lose the simplicity that is in Jesus Christ. These things we pray in his precious and powerful name. Amen.